Nutrition and Diet with co-hosts Leslie Kasanoff and Angie Yates, and this is episode 154 on Alternative Health Tools podcast, where together we discover alternative health tools and explore integrative healing philosophies for both individuals and practitioners. This episode is all about nutrition and really about the plant-centered eating. So this is Angie, and I am your co-host today with Leslie, and we are going to talk about nutrition. Good to see you today, Angie. So the whole concept of eating healthy is one of those things for our audience and just for the world that is, where do you start? And basically the way that I approach it as a health coach and what I found works the best is a whole food plant-centered diet. And what that means is mostly fruits, vegetables, beans, and whole unprocessed grains. And lots of times, as soon as I say the word grains, people say, oh no, I can't eat grains. Yes. So now we're all grain-free everything, right? Right. I, I make a big distinction between whole unpulverized grains like your your brown rice, your black rice, your your wild rice, your quinoa, your whole unprocessed barley and millet and all those things. I make a big distinction between that and pulverized corn, which is cornmeal, or pulverized wheat, which is flour, because essentially when you're pulverizing something, it's almost like you're pre-digesting it. And that does a whole lot of bad things in your body. And yes, some people do have issues with certain grains. It's unusual for people to have issues with all grains. But what I also really do encourage in that realm is I encourage using organic grains because we know that those are going to be the best for us because we don't know what's in that other stuff. Right. You know, yeah. when we really think about this, you know, the whole anti-grain, I mean, there's lots of books and articles and everything about the grain in general, but you made an excellent point in the fact that we're talking about pulverized, which in essence is already broken down. And that confuses the body because it then does not have to make the digestive enzymes it normally would be making to break it down. And we bypass part of that where depending on your school of training, some of that bypass may be valuable if you're cooking certain items to help with a digestion issue. But as we speak to just grains, we're talking about a whole grain, not a broken down GMO, who knows where it came from Mm -hmm. grain. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And it can make a huge difference. Absolutely. And then when we look at those sensitivities that some people do have, with the exception of celiac and, you know, like the major ones, the big players, when we look at that, a lot of times you're looking at a nutrition deficiency and or just a leaky gut issue, that it really Mm -hmm. isn't that product that you're consuming, right? That quinoa that's been soaked or sprouted and you've consumed it, but rather a leaky gut issue, which is a whole nother episode I know we're going to get to but we're going to stay focused on the plant-centered eating of nutrition. So keep on going, Leslie. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and the other thing that I like to point out to people, our bodies evolved eating grains. We're told our bodies evolved as the hunter-gatherer cave dweller. But when you look at what we're finding out more and more about, about what the hunter-gatherer cave dweller ate, they did not subsist on a lot of meat. They subsisted mostly on plants and mostly on roots. And that evidence goes back to both 
what they're discovering archaeologically. And it also goes back to if you look at our bodies compared to other species across the world, mm-hmm. the fact that given the length of our colon and things of that nature, our bodies were designed to eat grains and fruits and veggies because they need that longer time to digest. You know, you, a dog's digestive system is much shorter than ours, for example. Right, right. Yeah. So if we talk about, uh, and I'm sure we'll hit on grains again, but if we keep talking about this plant-centered eating, let's let's give our listeners something to, uh, I don't know, take home. Let's just talk a little bit about, we talk about vegetables, but what vegetables, when vegetables, like what, what can we give them for some support? <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm a big fan of your daily fare doesn't need to be fancy and it doesn't need to be difficult. And lots of times you don't really even need to follow a recipe. And what I will commonly do is I will cook enough, whatever grain I choose, rice or quinoa or whatever, I'll cook enough for a few days on a Sunday and then I'll change up what I eat during the week with it. And one of the things that I really that I do that doesn't even require a recipe is that I will saute some veggies and just whatever veggies I have around. Um, It almost always starts out with onions and maybe some peppers if I have them, always some mushrooms. And then whatever else I might happen to have around, if there's some broccoli around, it'll go in there. If there's some spinach around, it'll go in there. If I don't have any greens fresh, I always have some frozen spinach in the in the freezer just in case right. and throw all that together. I'll throw in a can of tomatoes and I might throw in a can of beans if I feel like it and I've got a dinner. And then depending on what I decide to put in there for spices, I can go sort of Indian, Asian, or I can go sort of Mexican spicy with it, or I can go sort of you know, whatever, it's sort of, a, you know, I can do some Italian spices, that kind of thing. So I can vary it up by what mood I'm in. And so you, you don't really need to have a recipe for any of that. Just ad lib. Yeah, I love that because, you know, <clears throat> for those that don't own an Instapot, I do. So I'm going to brag on the Instapot for a moment <laughs> or it's lookalike. But you can take quinoa, which is, you know, very solid in the protein content and so many other nutrients And you Mm -hmm. can Instapot that stuff and then you can turn around and take it and freeze two cups at a time and you can make your own bowl. So in essence, you're making your own bowl where that is the the grain. Mm -hmm. And then you could add a broth if you're looking at broth. I know we can talk a lot about bone broth, no bone broth, organic broth, no broth. So (laughs) we could all debate that. But in general, it's still better than your drive-through. So we'll take whatever you're looking at. I love the organic vegetable broth. If you're Mm -hmm. not making your own, at least you could purchase that. And that can be your your base, right? And then you can turn around and look at the other vegetables like you were talking about and add and create your own bowl. Depending on where you're at in the country, I'm in the Midwest and we are starting off cooler weather. So of course, I love anything warm from this point out. Yes. (laughs) In fact, I had just the joy of my life yesterday because it was Now, I'm here on the central coast of California. You would think it would be beautiful. It has been really cold and windy, like gale force winds the past few days. And yesterday, I just had this hankering for some black bean soup. 
and I was going to make some black bean soup. Well, lo and behold, my neighbor from downstairs knocked on my door and he's a gardener and he had some fresh veggies for me and he had some fresh cilantro to go into my <laughs> soup. <laughs> so I made that soup and I brought him down a bowl. <laughs> that is beautiful. That is community, my friend. Yeah. That is community. So even with uh, beans, even if you get them dried beans, you can even sprout them. I love sprouting the dried beans mm-hmm. because that gives more nutrition. And then mm-hmm. you Instapot that baby. And again, <laughs> you can use beans for a whole lot of stuff. So awesome. All right. Mm-hmm. What other fun things? So we're talking about plant-centered eating here on nutrition. We're talking uh, a little bit about grains. We've talked about that. We've talked about beans, sprouting them. And uh, we've talked about using the grains, right? For bowls. Right. Mm-hmm. And the thing on beans Beans are great dry or sprouted if you have the time and the inclination to do that. But if you don't, canned beans are a great alternative. I don't discourage that. In fact, I mostly use canned beans. Again, Instapot. I know, shameless mm-hmm. plug for an Instapot. We, they don't pay us anything <laughs> or me anything. But Maybe we should arrange that. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> The uh, Instapot, you can take those dried beans, even if you don't sprout them for three days and, and you just, you know, cook them in the Instapot. Now you have massive beans that have been made from that one pound or two pound. Yeah. Those can be frozen. Those also can be canned, et cetera, if, if you don't have canned. But yeah, right. beans, beans go a long way. You can throw beans on a bag salad. There's just a lot of things you can do with beans. And when people start talking about they can't afford to be vegan, which we're not necessarily talking you need to be vegan, but when they say th- something about you can't, they can't afford that, it's like, how do they afford five to $10 a pound for meat? Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. For sure. Very foreign. You know, you can, you can buy a pound of beans for a buck and it can serve you for f- six servings. Yeah. Yeah. A whole well lot. over that. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the big things that I like to bring up to people is one of the things they don't like to hear, <laughs> which is that I am a big advocate of getting dairy out of your life. Yay. And, <laughs> and for those of you who aren't familiar with the reasons why, I could write you a book, <laughs> but <laughs> suffice it to say, we'll, we'll just go over a couple of things. So one thing is that humans are the only animals on the planet that consume milk after infancy. So that right there should, should say to you, well, maybe we're not designed to do that. And we consume the, the milk of a different animal than what, than our native mom. And mom, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and not only that, look at this. We consume the milk of an animal. That milk is designed to turn a 40-pound calf into a thousand pound cow in a year. And we wonder why we gain weight. <laughs> Yes. And then I'm going to add milk, uh, dairy in general is very mucus forming. It really does tend to clog the Mm -hmm. lymphatics, uh, you know, create that post nasal drip, that snot, as I call it. Right. Uh So that's a a very, very mucus forming food and lots of uh, marketing, propaganda and et cetera, suggesting that you need dairy. But I can tell you, I have three kids and 
I'm not saying that we've never had an ice cream. I'm not going to suggest that whatsoever, but they were not brought up on gallons of that milk in the refrigerator and they are just fine. Their bones exactly. aren't falling apart. <laughs> right? there's, there's other ways to get your calcium, uh, not to mention there's a whole bunch of calcium. So talk about that, Leslie. The funny thing you should mention that calcium. Tell me this, Angie, where does that cow get that calcium from that goes in the milk all right are you ready drum roll everyone please da 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 the grass grass (laughs) (laughs) exactly so that just goes back to the old thing you know it's that whole conversation about where where do you get your calcium or if you tell them you don't eat meat where do you get your protein where does a gorilla get his protein Do you worry about a gorilla not getting enough protein? No, again, it's all propaganda and marketing. And it really takes though a moment and all due respect to everyone listening. Some of you have already made the shift and you're like, no, I'm on it. We've got it. Some of you are in the middle of that shift, right? You're going, well, I don't know if I can give up that, that dairy. I like a good ice cream or I like to have milk and cookies. One, there's lots of alternatives, lots of alternatives Mm -hmm. in the event that you, you feel you need a glass of that. Uh, and there's all kinds of ice cream alternatives. And in the same way, even with protein, there's so many alternatives to protein that we think that you have to have a steak. And I'm not anti-meat, so I'm going to put that out there. I personally don't sacrifice that for a meal, but I honor those that that choose that. But I, we're, what we're suggesting and challenging you on is do you need to have that much meat consumption? Do you even need dairy consumption? We're really challenging that shifting of the script, right? Of that propaganda mm-hmm. of you really considering what you've been taught, what the food pyramid is, what all of that is. Is that really accurate or are we designed to have far less dairy, far less meat, if not any dairy, if not any meat, et cetera. And that's really what what we're challenging you to think of, right? To really shift the script and what does your body need? Exactly. And one of the things that I look to in all this is who are the healthiest cultures in the world and how do they live? Now, I know you're familiar with the term blue zones, Angie some of our audience may or may not be. So the Blue Zone regions are five areas of the world where people ostensibly still keep their native diet, live longer, stronger, healthier than most Westerners. So we're talking societies where people live functionally into their 80s, 90s, and beyond. And so those areas are Okinawa, the island of Sardinia, which is part of Italy, the island of Acaria, which is part of Greece, the Nicoya Peninsula in Nicaragua. I can never remember if it's in Nicaragua or Costa Rica. <laughs> and the Seventh-day Adventists in Loma Linda, California. Those five groups of people live longer, stronger, healthier, more independently than we do. You start looking at their diets and what you find is most of them aren't exclusively vegan. In fact, none of them, with the exception of the Seventh-day Adventists, some of whom are, none of them are exclusively vegan. But when you look at their diets, their diets are about 80%, just what we're talking about, beans and grains and things of that nature. And basically 10% or less is how much 
protein they get from animal foods. Right. So when we look at that, they're really basing their entire lifestyle on that culture of the past. So right. we're looking at food right now because we're talking about nutrition and plant-centered mm-hmm. living. But these individuals are going back to their roots, literally, and they're looking at what did their ancestors consume that allowed them to live functionally, which I love that word, Leslie, functionally mm-hmm. into their 80s, not bedridden mm-hmm. them. 55 pharmaceuticals and a walker, but actually functionally into their 80s. And we're looking at those zones as what are they eating? What is their lifestyle? So I really encourage anyone that wants to learn really about how it's done over and over. We see how it's done is to really look up those blue zones and learn what are they doing? And and I think mm-hmm. you agree, Leslie, that we're seeing a movement in the U.S. in general of going back to our roots, going back to these whole foods, going back to what I call God food. And exactly. And, and it's I'm going to make it's not really funny, but I'm going to say it's funny. You know, you purchase a, a coconut milk or I don't know, peanut butter and crackers. I don't know. And on the package, it says made with real peanut butter are made with real coconut, you know? <laughs> and I, I laugh and I go, like, what was it before that now you have to distinguish between, oh, by the way, before it was fake peanut butter, we just made the food scientists make it taste good. And so, <laughs> but you're seeing this movement and it's being required. Uh, we as a society are requiring to know what's in this food. Well, you know, what have you done, food scientists? What's in this food? Exactly. And that's the first step, right? Reading the labels to know what's in your food. That's the first step. Yeah. And, 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 you know, as you were saying, made with real peanut butter, I started thinking, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I was raised, I didn't like peanut butter as a child because all that was available is Skippy and it didn't taste like peanuts. (laughs) (laughs) And lo and behold, when I discovered when, when things started progressing a little bit in the early seventies, when I discovered that there was natural peanut butter and it actually tasted like peanuts, I liked <laughs> peanut butter. <laughs> right. Isn't that funny? So let's, I mean, let peanut butter, almond butter, sunflower butter, all of those, when you start adding the sugars and the oils and all this crazy stuff, it no mm-hmm. longer is what it is. And so, yeah. You know, I really encourage the listeners, if you haven't started the movement with the rest of the world, we're inviting you to step into our world and start looking at the labels and start really embracing the nutrition for what it is, right? I always Mm -hmm. like to say God food for a God body gets me God life. You can Mm -hmm. call it natural food for my naturally created body gives me natural life, right? So dis-ease is created in, in many facets. It's very facet. It's not just one thing. But when we look at that, we really take a look at the nutrition. And that's what we're challenging you with. So mm-hmm. if you are already in it, welcome. We're excited you're in the nutrition movement. If you're not, we're challenging you. I'm challenging you to really yeah. step into those items. What are you eating? What are the millions of ingredients in it, right? And what can we go back to nature to work into your lifestyle? You know, we have working mothers, we have working parents. No, you're not going to be able to make everything from scratch. And like, we got it. We understand But like Leslie indicated, you can buy canned beans. You don't have to like have them out back and haul them and do all that. You can buy ready-made to really make your bowls and be creative with your food. And you can do things in a way that works for you. When some people make that change, they want to go all out and just get it done. I'm going to clean out my cabinets and that's it. Other people want to go along more slowly. You know how you work best with the changes that you want to make. So if you're the person that just wants to get in there and just rip everything out and say, I'm just going for it, 
then do that. If you're the person that does the very methodic incremental steps, then figure out what's that first step. I'm working with my brothers right now, actually, to encourage them to do a little bit more plant-centered eating. And so I told my one brother, I said, take the amount of meat that you would normally eat and cut it in thirds. Put the other two thirds back in the freezer eat the one third, put an extra veggie on your plate, put some more grain on your plate. And that's a great place to start. I love that, Leslie. That's really practical. Makes me think of my sister. Mm -hmm. Um, She's an RN in the Midwest. And she'll tell you when she eats meat, animal flesh, her hands get swollen. She feels like a slug, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. not for everyone. And even though she utilizes, you know, a digestive enzyme, she still knows when she has more plants, it better fits her body. So Mm -hmm. I love the idea of taking it one step at a time. And the example that you gave is excellent for our listeners Mm -hmm. to just, you know, it's like giving up the pot of coffee, right? You don't give up the whole pot of coffee. No one around you is going to like you. (laughs) (laughs) But you're not going to be looking up in the morning. (laughs) Right, right, right. You know, so you start taking those baby steps and you replace every cup, you know, with another water and you just mm-hmm. keep moving towards it to where your body starts catching up with everything else. So yeah. we have talked a lot about plant-centered eating. I encourage you to go check out the Blue Zones because that's really, uh, again, if you want to learn what people, if you want to change your life, you go to where people have changed their life or where people are doing it right, right? Mm-hmm. I, always, I always say, if you want you know, natural health education, or if you want to be guided, no offense to the plumber, but you don't go to the plumber. He does great with sewer, (laughs) but he doesn't necessarily know what you're doing. So go to those blue zones, look those up and just embrace what they're doing. And, and hopefully you'll be inspired a little bit as well to take some of that culture back into yourself as well. One other thing I did want to bring up that you brought up just in passing, you mentioned bone broth. Mm -hmm. I just want to bring up the notion for people. Now, this may not, this may again go against the grain. I did want to bring up the notion that the bone, and this is biological fact, the bone is where animals store heavy metals. And even if a cow is brought up organically, never has anything but organic grain its entire life, those heavy metals could be heavily laden in that soil and you have no way of knowing that. And so when you consume bone broth, you're consuming a concentrate of that. In my humble opinion, if somebody eats meat, they're better off eating meat than they are consuming bone broth. I just feel like bone broth is concentrating everything toxic that that animal took in its entire life and should not be part of anybody's diet. Right. And the whole push to that, you know, is that bone broth is a good healing agent for the GI tract. That's what a lot of people utilize that bone broth for. So is cooked cabbage because it has high levels of L-glutamine and it, if you can get it organic, and add some amino acids, it can be a cocoa amino, coconut amino acids, it's going to be very powerful for your GI tract as well. You know, it ranks it, it's very good point, very good point. And sometimes you have to outweigh what are you trying to do with the food, because let food be thy medicine. It ranks Mm -hmm. up there with kombucha, right? Everyone Mm -hmm. thinks kombucha is the best thing, and you drink glasses of it with every meal and etc. And depending on your internal terrain, kombucha may not be exactly what you want. (laughs) 
mm-hmm. right at a certain time and a certain season of your, your healing process. So exactly, you know, all of these superfoods, whatever marketing is out there, they're very valuable in a purpose. If what you're using them for is to get a certain outcome, and then you want to obviously weigh, is that bone broth outweighing what I'm trying to do in the body? Mm-hmm. And as you very well brought up, could I get that some other way, like through some cabbage, combination some cabbage and maybe some, dare we say it, some supplemental probiotics? There's definitely ways to have uh, food be thy medicine. What is uh, food and supportive for one body may not be for another. And that's why it's very important in my professional opinion that you really look at your body, whether that's through muscle testing, some other type of assessments, because what is great for me, your body may not like, you know, Mm -hmm. some individuals can't do the nightshades. They can't do those green peppers and tomatoes that Leslie loves and her body loves. Other individuals can't do X, Y, Z, you know, whatever it is, fill in the blank. So you really want to get in tune to your body. And that's really what we're suggesting here as a challenge Mm -hmm. is what does your body need in the season it is for a healing process as you let nutrition and food be thy medicine? Anything else, Leslie, you want to add as we wrap up this nutrition all about the plant-centered eating? Well, there's a thousand more <laughs> things that we could say, and this is not going to be the only show on this topic, I am sure. So it seems like a pretty good stopping point for here. So beautiful. So we hope you've okay. enjoyed this uh, interaction for all of our listeners. Yes, there's going to be more on nutrition, more deep dive in nutrition. Uh, so get ready. We could have a conversation on enzymes for an entire podcast, probiotics for an entire podcast. So we have lots to bring to you over the next uh, weeks and months. So again, Leslie, thank you for uh, working with me as our co-host, with myself as her co-host. We go back and forth. <laughs> and I'm just really grateful for all the listeners for you stepping into our podcast to have all this fun we love to empower and we love to equip you. God bless each and every one of you and make it an epic day.